On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about some people who may not realize what they're doing, but they're doing something that is very dangerous. Incredible. But it's actually explained in the Bible, men calling God or making God a liar. Men are doing things that effectively, if what they say is right, God God lied to us. And, well, we need to ask ourselves, are we making God a liar? Are you making a God a liar? We're going to talk about that on the program tonight. Don't go anywhere. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 381-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, April 25th, 2019. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Kyle's here. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Glad you're here, Kyle. Glad that you're listening on the other end of the line. You know how to comment. Uh, questions at collegeview.com, the chat room, or 877-381-4567. Whichever way you choose, we want to hear from you uh, tonight. So, we got a, we got a couple things we want to mention, and one of them is two weeks away. Uh, we've been we've been already announcing, but we want to really start uh, promoting a on air debate that we're going to have two two weeks from tonight, May the ninth, Thursday, May the ninth, Lord willing. Kent Bailey uh, from Calhoun, Georgia, will be discussing the instrumental music in worship question with Bob Robertson from uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. They're going to be with us live on the program. That'll be a night, Jacob, when you and I can kind of sit back and not do all the talking. We're going to let those two do the talking. We'll give them each equal amounts of time to present their case. Kent Bailey will be saying, no, the Bible does not, the New Testament does not authorize instruments of music in our worship. Bob Robertson will be taking the opposite position on that question. It should be really a good study and very enlightening. Both these guys are are uh, uh, well-spoken, uh, serious Bible students, and I think they'll do a, a good job of presenting their point of view. And then it will be up to us to decide... What does the Bible say? We ought to be listening, regardless of where we stand on the issue. We ought yeah. to be listening. You and I will be doing the same. We'll be listening, and yeah. we'll be considering both sides of the of the discussion to determine yeah. which one is in line with the truth. So maybe even make a note on your calendar, put a put an alarm in your uh, in your uh, phone, so that you'll be sure to be online with us two weeks from tonight, May the ninth, for the virtual Bible study. I got a better idea. Just listen every Thursday night. You'll and you never miss it. it. You'll never miss it. You won't miss it. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to be a good discussion. And then, of course, we keep promoting uh, that you can get on our mailing list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, just put me on the list. You can get a bumper sticker. Send us to that same email address and say, send me a bumper sticker. But if you do that, you got to give us your snail mail address, too, so we can get that uh, in the U.S. mail to you. All right. Now, are you selling those addresses to people who want to spam them? No, actually not. Okay, good. All right. Uh, you're, you're safe. Yeah. All right. So... To our update list earlier today, we put out, uh, and as we said, get on our list if you're not, but we put out some questions. How do men make God a liar? And yep. now the, the concept of that is that when men claim something 
that's not true to the Bible, they're actually saying God didn't tell us the truth in the Bible. We believe something else. All right. And so I, the, the very first question I put out to our, to our update list illustrates this from the scriptures. I asked question one, how does first John one verse 10 demonstrate the, re, the, the reality that men call God a liar? In first John chapter one verse 10, John said, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Oh, now think that we make God a liar. How so? Well, because God said in Romans chapter six, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if I say I haven't sinned or I don't sin, then I'm saying God wasn't telling the truth when he said all men sin. So that's, that's just a very simple example of the fact that this does happen. So when I claim something that God has said is not so, then I'm saying, I don't believe God. I think God hadn't told us the truth. Romans chapter 1 uh, gives us the same, a similar idea. Verse 25 of Romans chapter 1, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. These people had changed the truth of God into a lie. Now, it's impossible to make God a liar. It's impossible to change the truth of God into a lie. But that's, in effect, what you're doing when you deny the truth of well, the Well, I can call you a liar. You may not have told a lie, but yeah. but but if if I am perverse enough and disagreeing with you enough, I can say, oh, you're just lying. Well, you're not, you're not a liar, but I could claim you're a liar. And that's what these people do. And they're claiming God has lied. I don't think they realize that. Uh, but notice what John, let's go back to that first John one again. First John one verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, that may sound extreme to some of our listeners, but, you know, there are actually religious people in the world that make that claim. Yeah. Uh, the so-called holiness denominations, yeah. Yeah. they teach that it's possible to become sinless. Uh, they, the holiness notion is that after you're saved, at some point after your salvation, there's a second working of grace from God that actually makes it so you cannot sin. You do not sin. Yep. Well, notice here in First John 1 that the Apostle John was including himself in those statements. Apparently, the Apostle John never had that second working of grace because he said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So uh, that so th- there there's a, a very simple statement and a practical example of how men are doing that very thing they're saying well well god says not so i don't think i sin i never sin i've been i've been sanctified i don't sin well that's not what god said so you're taking a position that differs with what god said so in effect you're saying god which, didn't tell the truth about that which side of that fight you want to be on yeah god's side of yours i yeah. think I'm, I, that's pretty clear for me Kent in Calhoun, Georgia says, when individuals deny that they have sinned, they contradict what is affirmed regarding the reality of the fact that even Christians at various times sin and need the forgiveness of God, First John 1, 9-10, such as calling God a liar. And then Angela down in uh, Lake Park, Georgia, uh, sent in her response, and she says, many say all the time that they have no sin or do not sin. I know someone who says he doesn't go anywhere or do anything, so he doesn't sin. However, when he starts talking, he gossips and complains. No matter what, whether you stay at home or running around all over the place, we all sin some way or the other. 
uh, Romans 3.23, even if it's the sin of doing nothing, Second Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12. There you go. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, uh, I think I that, said, Angela. I think, thank you, Angela. I think I said Romans 6.23 earlier. It's Romans 3.23. Uh, she's right about that that says, uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I may have said Romans 6.23. I mean, I meant Romans 3.23 as she had it in her post. And Daniel down in Jennings, Florida has sent in his response tonight. He says, we make God a liar, but if we say we have no sin, but God said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and God cannot lie, Hebrews 6.18. It's his word and character against our our own. So that's a good point. Uh, I think that's and, and that's and I appreciate Daniel bringing in that text. We should have we should have referenced that text in Hebrews chapter six, verse eighteen, because that's what we're basing our study on. Effectively, it is impossible for God to lie. So. We can disagree with God. We can take a position different from God. We can effectively say, I don't believe God. I don't think God's telling the truth. But the fact of the matter, God is always telling the truth, and God never lies. It's impossible for God to lie. Uh, so if we're differing from what he has told us in the Scripture, we got the problem, not him. That's right. That that, that rock won't move. You're, trying to, you're, you're pushing against a rock there that's not going to move, uh, and you're fighting against God. All right. Okay. All right, now, that just illustrates our principle for discussion tonight, and we hope that we got that uh, clearly established. So what we want to do is now look at some practical ways that people are doing that very thing. They're taking a position different than what God has expressed. We've got several on our list, and I sent I sent out, I think, uh, six or seven of these uh, to the update list today, and we'll be working our way through them. But if you if you see something... Some way that you think men are basically claiming that what God said isn't true. There's something else that what God said isn't accurate, that he must have lied to us. If you see some examples of that, we'll be glad. We'll, we'll try to work those in let's, at the end of the let's program. Let's get a little personal. Maybe you have done that in the past, too. Maybe you've been pushing against that, the, yeah. the, the yeah. truth of God's word, and, you, and maybe ignoring them or being rebellious against them. What were some of those truths that, where you were, in effect, calling God a liar? Yeah, exactly right. All right. All right, so let's start out with one I think that is rampant in the world today, and that is people who teach evolution say that God lied when he told us about how he created all things. Yeah, You know, the scriptures are pretty clear um, uh, that the theory of evolution can't be true because if it was true, it would be absolutely contradictory to what the Bible says. Now, I, I obviously... Atheistic evolutionists don't care. They don't care whether they're disagreeing with God. But the, but specifically, the people who ought to be really concerned are the so-called theistic evolutionists. Yeah. That, who say, well, God created everything, but but it happened through the process of evolution. Yeah. yeah. God used evolution in the creative process. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Yeah. The, the Bible teaches that God created all things in six literal 24 hours, six literal 24 hour days, not that relatively long ago, about 6,000, six, maybe at the very extreme 10,000 years ago. Whereas the theory of evolution talks about a universe that has existed for 20 billion years, yeah. uh, uh, life on planet Earth been here for four million years. Man evolved into his present form about one and a half million years ago. Yep. 
I mean, those numbers, I mean, there's no way to reconcile those numbers at all. But now you're saying that there are people who profess to be Christians, to be believers, who are claiming that God didn't create everything in six literal days, that he allowed this process of evolution to go on over time. And so what you're saying is, then in effect, they're saying God's a liar. Exactly right. Um, so if you think about if you think about that claim, God did it all, but he did it over millions and billions of years through a process generally referred to as the general theory of evolution. If that's the case, then man showed up on the scene way after the beginning. Yeah, this thing had been going on a long time. For billions of years. Yeah. And and yet Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 4, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Jesus said God made male and female at the beginning. He didn't make it billions of years later, millions of years later. He made male and female at the beginning. So you'd be saying Jesus is a liar. Jesus, Jesus didn't have he didn't it right. Understand. He, he didn't get it he right there. He had been there. looking at those fossils. He didn't yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. In Romans chapter 1, Paul said the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and God it, so that they are without excuse. The invisible things of God have been observed from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, not if man didn't come along for, you know, eons after the creation began. And so, I mean, because Paul uh, didn't have carbon dating. Yeah. Well, there's all kinds there's all kinds of arguments we can make. And we've made these on the virtual Bible study before, especially when we talk about arguments about the age of the earth. There's just no way to harmonize the false claims of evolutionists. In regard to a very ancient creation, a very ancient universe, there's no way to harmonize those with what the Bible says. And we're not going to go into great detail. We've got some archives in our Virtual Bible Study Archive page where we have talked about specifically the days of creation and the age of the earth. But there's just there's just a long list of arguments that prove that the Bible says God made this creation in six literal 24-hour days only a few thousand years ago, not millions and billions of years ago. And so if if you are a, a supposed believer and you believe that God created things via a process of evolution, in other words, you are a theistic, God-involved evolutionist, theistic evolution, if you take that position, you are saying what God told us in the Bible isn't true. Yeah. And again, that's making God a liar. Kent says to deny what the Bible teaches about the creation of the world and all things therein, including the creation of humanity, is a denial of reality. Such falsely implies that God is a liar. And Angela says, uh, besides the fact that we have the biblical account that clearly states that God is creator of all, we have so much evidence for a creator and designer, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I find it incredible that one could believe that an explosion or whatever... Uh, other devised creation story we're talking about could create perfectly functioning systems from the subatomic levels up to the astronomic levels, even if it took millions of years. As And as stated in a recent VBS podcast, in order for creatures to be able to survive and multiply over this time frame, there would have to be two nearly identical creatures that are equipped to procreate developing at the same time. Think about that and then the mind-blowing diversity that we have 
uh, from minerals, trees, and plants to humans and animals. Without a doubt, there was and is a creator. Psalm 19, verse 1 through 6, especially Psalm 19, verse 1. Thank Very you good, Angela. For that, Angela. And then Daniel says, If God made everything as he said, John 1, verse 3, and came to bring truth and reliable testimony to himself, John 1, 17 through 18, we have to do more than claim that God lied. We must have proof. And um, so there you go. Daniel says you can't just say this without some proof, and there isn't any proof of this theory. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point to make. You know, I can say, you know, I can say about a person, well, he's telling a lie. But if I'm going to say that, I've got to be able to, to, to demonstrate the evidence. It's not enough to make the claim if you don't have the evidence to back it up. So if I'm saying that God didn't create everything, I better have verifiable evidence, but I don't. The theory of evolution is still called the theory of evolution. They can't prove it. Yeah. Uh, and so. It's calling God a liar. That's, a, that's I think that's a pretty good example. I have a lot of people in the world are saying God lied about that. God lied about creation. Yeah. All right. We're going to get a break. And when we get back, what's next? Well, when we get back, we want to talk about these are going to be random, random, divergent co- concept. When we get back, let's talk about money, materialism. Uh, you know, here we live in a really wealthy, prosperous time. God had some things to say about money. Do we believe what he said about money? Um, then do we believe they apply to us? Maybe we just think they apply to everybody except us. Yeah. And they're pretty universal in their uh, statements. So we're going to talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century. There it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten. There it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty. There it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned. There it stands. Emperors decree its extermination. There it stands. Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Here's a quote worth pondering. White lies are likely to leave black marks on a man's reputation. Benjamin Franklin said, Glass, china, and reputation are easily cracked and never well mended. Privilege and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. Abraham Lincoln said, You cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. Man, wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program as we look at ways that we could be calling God a liar. That's a a very scary thought, but when we deny the truths of the Scriptures, we are, in effect, doing that. Yeah, and and the Scriptures actually say so. They say, you know, when when we claim what God says isn't so... Or will we take a position different than what God has taught in the scriptures? Then we are saying, you lied to us yeah, about that, yeah, God. You right, lied God. to us, yeah, God. That, you can't be telling the truth on that. Yeah. I got a better idea. Now, 
the chat room is very quiet tonight. Um, what about this one about money? Send in a comment there. How are people making God a liar in the subject of money? Well, first of all, we know that the scripture says a lot about money. Uh, but we think that maybe it's not exactly true, or at least it doesn't apply to me. For instance, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. So here's Solomon, who was a very incredibly wealthy man. Yeah. And he said, if you, want, if you seek after silver, you're not going to be satisfied. If you want to get more and more, if you want to increase more and more, that's just vanity. Solomon said that, but we said, ah, yeah, maybe not so. If I I had a lot of silver, man, I could be pretty happy. Yeah, just a little bit more, you know. Mm -hmm. If I if I could just get if I could get my bank account to that level, Kyle, everything would be or that new car that I'm wanting, that's going to be it. I'm going to be happy. That's right. Well, if I could have uh, material things, that's I think it's materialism. We want to. Get another raise in our paycheck. Get another little, so we can afford those little, those little accommodations. Something to make our life a little more comfortable. Then we can just sit back and be like, you know, now I've arrived. I can just. I don't want anything more. Cruise a little bit. I just, yeah, you know, I understand. I know what the Bible says, but I really think if I had that kind of money, I could be pretty happy. Yeah, just a million. If I could just, just get one to a million. million. You know, one million these days doesn't seem like. You know, there's a lot of millionaires today. One yeah, million. That's what, that'll be enough. It won't be. That's not that much to ask for. You know. No. But, you know, the, a, a, a human experience bears out that what Solomon said is true. Because, you know, you've read those articles about people who won millions in the lottery and their lives just unraveled. They just they just disintegrated when they got that kind of instant wealth. Uh, and really, if you read some about some of the really, really incredibly wealthy people who've lived uh, in, even in the history of our country, some really miserably unhappy people. Yeah. Well, God's been saying that all along, but for us to say, I don't think that applies. That's, I'm not sure that's true. Make God a liar. All right. Yeah. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. But we're saying... I think I think maybe I could, you know, I could make it oh, my life. Oh, now I mean, it, it, come on, Jesus, you know, you, yeah. you, you ever seen that house up on the hill? Yeah, I mean, that thing's got a big old swimming pool in the back. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That boy, you know, one of those cars, Kyle. That you know, they didn't have cars. Jesus didn't know about those fancy cars when he said that, right? He wasn't talking about me. Yeah, Jesus, he's talking, he's talking about those guys. Yeah, those yeah. rich guys. Yeah. He's talking about me though. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. All right, we got a couple emails there, Jacob. We do. Kent says, money within itself is not wrong. However, the love of money is the root of all types of evil, and because of covetousness have erred from the faith, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. When individuals become obsessed with materialism, they reject 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, and imply that God is a liar. Exactly. Thank you for that. Uh, and then Angela says, a lot of folks uh, believe God lied about money. There are those who preach today that becoming a servant of God and or paying in huge sums of money when the time comes to contribute to the church will make you rich. Oh, she's talking about the health and wealth gospels there. Uh, yeah. She said, I've seen pe- other people, even Christians, repost gimmick posts on Facebook like money is coming to your door tonight in Jesus. Uh, type amen and share to claim this blessing. So you know, that I mean, that is it's pretty rampant. It's, it's amazing. But the, the idea that. God wants you to to just be rolling in it. 
Yeah, and so they're basically saying that there's a lie in the scriptures because the scriptures do not contain promises of health and wealth. And even a, a pretty casual study of God's faithful people through the centuries have shown that the faithful people of God have, have often been poor and persecuted. And so the idea that God promises health and wealth is saying God didn't, what's in the Bible is not true. We believe something else. Yeah. Uh, so again, that's, that's the very concept we're building tonight. All right. Here's one. And this is a great point. She references Matthew 6, verse 24. We cannot serve two masters. You know, no man can serve two masters. Either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Maybe some translations there reference, uh, uh, God and riches. I like you this one. She gave, she gives several scriptures here, but I really like this one she offered. Matthew 19, 23. Jesus said it with, with difficulty that are, it will be with difficulty that a rich person would enter into heaven. Oh, I don't think so. I, I, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think Jesus was telling the truth about that. I think it'd make it easier for me to go to heaven if I was rich. Yeah, a lot of people think that, right? Yeah. It would be a lot easier for me. My right? life would Do be I have easier. All these difficulties. Yeah. yeah. But Jesus said it would make it harder to go to heaven. Uh, and then she references First Timothy six verse seventeen. Those Christians who are rich had to be charged not to set their hopes on riches, but on God. How many times uh, do or even maybe we don't may not consider ourselves rich, but we might put our hopes in our Social Security or our retirement account yeah, or our bank yeah, account. Yeah. Uh, and then first to be six, verse six, godliness with contentment is great gain. I, well, be content with such things uh, well, as yeah, you have. But just a little bit more. Yeah. Just a little bit more. That's so right, yeah. now that's totally different than what we started out. We started out talking about people calling God a liar about creation. And I think probably all of the listeners to the virtual Bible study and I say, ah, yeah, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. But now we get to one that maybe gets closer to home. Yep, yep. You know, God was lying when He told us not to put money as our as a as a high priority. Uh, that that it's not what we need. It's not what will make our lives the best. And yet we say, yeah, but still, you know, I'd, I'd like to have more of that. Yeah. All right. Excellent comments tonight. Uh, if you want to send in yours. You know, don't worry. If you could send something in the chat room, nobody's going to call you a liar in there. Hopefully, send in your comments. Chat room really quiet. It's quiet. Tonight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Number four. All right. Uh, let's introduce this, and we may want to jump to a break before we get it fully discussed. But I think that there. Are, now, these were my ideas uh, that I sent out to our update list earlier today. But and we're asking you to come up with some ideas. We've got a, a couple ideas from Dwight in Iowa that we'll add at the end of the list. But on my list, I think a lot of people think that God lied about divorce and remarriage. Um, you know, the scriptures are really plain about divorce and remarriage. Matthew nineteen nine, Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife except it be for fornication and shall marry another committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Uh, well, that doesn't really mean whomever. Notice it said whosoever. That doesn't, that whosoever doesn't mean me. Uh, it's not applicable. It's not applicable. For, and now, actually, there's some Christians <coughs> who take the view that the marriage law of Christ only pertains to believers. It doesn't, it doesn't pertain to people in the world. And so people in the world divorce from marriage, divorce from marriage, divorce from marriage. But when they become Christians, then this law goes into effect and you need to stay with whoever it is that you're married to at the time you become a Christian. 
so, but Jesus said, whosoever shall put away his wife, except to be for fornication and marry another commits adultery. So there would be an example of someone said, what, J, what J, Jesus said is that's not exactly right. He said whosoever, which is an all-inclusive term, but we don't think that the, we don't think that the, the Lord's marriage law applies to everybody, just, just to believers. That's not what Jesus said. Yeah. Uh, and then he said, Jesus said, there's only one exception that allows for divorce and remarriage, and that's fornication, sexual immorality. But I think there could be some other things. And, and there's some Christians, there's some prominent Christians who are teaching there could be other things that might allow for uh, a scriptural divorce, uh, money problems. I, there's one preacher I know who, who suggests uh, money problems, other kinds of incompatibility could justify a divorce. Well, that's not what Jesus said. He's, Jesus said, except it be for fornication. Uh and then, and then there's people who say, well, they, they try to redefine what adultery is, you know. Uh, Jesus said, uh, whosoever shall put away his wife and accept it be for fornication and marry another commits adultery. That pretty well defines adultery. People want to redefine that and change the meaning of it. Uh, and what all of those kind of things and a bunch more because this divorce and remarriage question is a huge issue, obviously. All of that sort of thing is is saying God got it wrong. And what he said to us in his word isn't exactly right. You can't really trust that. And I want to tell you one more, Jacob, where uh, people are calling God a liar. So here's a man and woman who are unscripturally married. They're in an adulterous marriage relationship. And so when it's explained to them that God, that they're going to have to get out of that adulterous marriage relationship. You can't continue in that sinful relationship. There are people who say, I can't believe that God would require that. I just can't believe that a loving God would ever expect a married couple to separate because of... of God doesn't want that. God wants me to be happy, actually. And I've, I've had people directly argue to me, that the reason why it's okay for them to stay in the marriage that they're in is because God wants them to be happy. Well, let's find that for me in the scriptures, by the way. But to the question, would God expect unscripturally married people to separate? We could go back to the Old Testament book of Ezra uh, and talk about how the Israelites had married people they weren't authorized to marry. This is after they returned from captivity. Uh and and Ezra called upon them to put away. Uh, he says, make confession, Ezra 10, verse 11. Make confession to the Lord of your fathers. Do his pleasure. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. And verse 19 says, they gave their hands that they would put away their wives. And being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their trespass. And verse 44 says, and these had, that had taken strange, all these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children, and yet they were still expected to separate from them because they weren't authorized to be married to them. And so, all all of that goes to this idea of people saying, "Well, I, uh, I'm not sure, God, I'm not sure that's the truth. I, I, I'm not comfortable with that application. I don't think that that really applies." Well, you're calling God a liar. Yeah. Well, we've got some more comments from our listeners uh, that we want to get on the other side of the break. But we're going to get this week's bullet point and get back to the discussion on the other side. If you'd like to share some thoughts about 
how people are calling God a liar in the chat room, or maybe you'd like to uh, comment about this idea of marriage, divorce, and remarriage in the chat room. Whatever your thoughts, share them with us now. Hey, how about give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A drug addict pushes back against the friend who is rebuking him and trying to encourage his repentance. You just don't know what it's like, he says. No one can ever understand unless they've been there. The drug abuser is not the only one to make this argument. An alcoholic often tries the same excuse. So does a smoker, the man hooked on pornography, and the compulsive gambler. All attempts to restore these folks are dismissed with the claim that others who haven't experienced these issues have no ability to comprehend the problem or to offer effective help. We deny this. A person does not need to struggle with all these same problems in order to know that they are sinful and that the sinner must repent. A proper interpretation of biblical truth is not affected by one's personal experiences. Wrong is wrong and sin is sin, no matter whether you've been there or not. If personal experience provides the key to understanding and applying the scriptures, then the door is wide open to all sorts of misguided interpretations. For instance, a man tries to justify his divorce and remarriage by arguing that his former marriage was so unhappy and unfulfilling. Others, he says, can't understand unless they've been there. Really? Matthew 19.9 still seems pretty clear on that subject. Certainly a homosexual might claim that others can't know what he's dealing with. And while he's right about that sin being hard for others to understand, it still does not change the clear condemnation of Scripture. Read 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Or a parent with an unfaithful child argues against disciplinary action taken by other Christians. You just don't know because you haven't been there, they say. Maybe, thankfully, we've not been there. But Bible truth remains unchanged. Read 1 Corinthians 5, beginning verse 1. The same kind of reasoning applies to all sorts of family issues, church problems, and other terrible situations. Even without having personally dealt with every conceivable kind of trouble, we can be, quote, complete in knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Romans 15, verse 14. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Michael, and I'm four years old, and, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. As we remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com, where you can watch a recent service, uh, see the sermon that was presented. Uh, there, you get a link to our YouTube feed. Uh, Kyle, uh, that's all up to date, right, Kyle? It is. So last uh, night's Bible study there. So right? it's there not go. just sermons, but it's also all of our uh, our Sunday morning and Wednesday night Bible classes are on there, and they're all in there in archive form. For instance, on Wednesday nights right now, we're studying through the book of Ephesians, and you can study with us in progression through uh, week by week there uh, in Ephesians. On Sunday night, our sermons uh, last couple weeks and for the next couple weeks, Lord willing, are going to be about qualifications of elders. That's a subject a lot of people are interested in. You can go back and watch them. They're live at the moment. You can you can watch the stream live at our regular meeting times, and then immediately thereafter they are available as a, a recorded archive on our YouTube channel. Uh, the YouTube channel is College View Live Stream. Maybe a very easy way to get to that is go to our homepage collegeview.com, and there's a link. Just scroll down just a little bit, and you'll come to the link for. Uh, uh, our 
YouTube channel. It's a different YouTube channel than the channel you're watching tonight on the Virgil Bible Study. We got two channels going here, so don't oh, confuse them. Yeah, okay. And I have to admit, Kyle's making you look pretty good. It, well, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, but uh, he's doing. It's, it's, it's a really nice well, production, Kyle. It's all really right. good. All right, so we're on to the, the subject of uh, divorce and marriage again. Uh, so people are calling God a liar. Kent says Matthew five thirty two and Matthew nineteen one through nine make God make God's standard regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage very precise. God authorizes one woman for one man for life. The only exception to this law is that, is that when one of the marriage partners commits the sin of fornication, the innocent partner who is the victim regarding this sin has the right to put away the guilty partner and form a second marriage. Even then, when the innocent victim, having put away their former mate, enters into a second marriage, the second marriage partner must be qualified to enter into such a marriage by never having been previously married, being widowed upon the death of a former spouse, or having put away a former spouse because of the sin of fornication. To teach or practice any other concept regarding this subject would be the rejection of divine truth and an implication that God is a liar. Thank you for that, Kent. And then Angela says, too many think he lied about divorce or remarriage. So many people want to rework and readjust the word of God so they can wiggle their ungodly marital status into what God accepts so they don't have to give up what they want to do. No one wants to be rejected by God, and anyway, he is loving, surely he would understand. All right. Thank you for that. She gives us a little bit more. She said, God gave instructions about how marriage should be and gave the only accepted reason for divorce, sexual immorality on the part of one's spouse, Matthew 19.9, Matthew 5.32. We don't have the authority to change what he has said on this subject. Even Jesus' disciples uh, said that the marriage laws uh, Jesus were laying out were hard, Matthew 19, verse 10. Jesus' return comment was, not everyone can receive this statement, verse 11. So thank you for, for those comments tonight, Angela. Okay. Um, she's just now, Angela just emailed and said that maybe we didn't understand one of her comments. I, I thought we understood, uh, Angela. No, I, I don't think it, I, we didn't. She said she wasn't trying to present contradictory ideas about money, but I didn't, I didn't catch that. So. I didn't take it that way. So Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, Angela. Yeah, thanks, Angela, for your comments tonight. Excellent, uh, excellent comments. All okay, right. Go ahead. All right. So let's move on. We're going to have to move on here if we're going to cover all these. We got uh, um, another way that uh, here's our premise. Our premise is every time someone denies what God affirms in the Bible, they are basically calling him a liar. So what about the power of the gospel? Mm, I think some people think that God lied about the power of the gospel to draw people, to attract people, to bring them uh, to salvation, and, and and the way that they manifest that is they they feel like they have to use a lot of gimmicks to get people to come. Paul said in Romans one sixteen, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek." But I'm not sure. I'm not sure it will work. Uh, and so I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to kind of dress it up a little bit uh we're going to have to f- offer food and games you know we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to do some really flashy things you know have our services to be the equivalent of a modern day rock concert you know and really really f- get it really pepped up because just doing things the way the bible says just following the gospel simply and worshiping and and teaching what's found in the word of god 
Oh, that's just not going to get the job done. You know, you've heard. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's happened in reality or not. But at least you've heard about people who are putting money underneath the pew. You know, so you might you might have accidentally sit down in the pew that has the hundred dollar bill underneath yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because people wouldn't come just for the gospel. They'd come for a hundred dollars, but they wouldn't come for the gospel. Yeah. Uh, then maybe we're denying what God and, said. And I, I got to tell you that that it's tempting to follow that trend because. You know, you see some of these mega churches, you know, they got thousands of people in attendance and they're using these kind of carnal appeals to draw people in. Uh, maybe we should do that. You know, maybe we should be a little flashier. Maybe we should dress it up. Maybe we shouldn't just rely on the plain old Jerusalem yeah. gospel. Maybe we need to do something else. These lights are these lights are too bland. We need the light show, Kyle. We need a little smoke generator there, and it'll just really, yeah, get it going here. I think we've we love instant gratification now, and this, especially in the modern world, we love we want to be in the moment. I think if we want to be in the moment, we try to apply what we feel and our adrenaline rushes. We want to bring that inside to our, our worship services. We need to. <laughs> The all-sufficiency of the gospel, that should be the thing. We had, it doesn't have to be a light show, smoke, and, you know, the preacher shouldn't have to, you know, just be sweating bullets up there just screaming at you and just, you know, getting a feel-good message, you know, like Joel Osteen. He just wants to make sure that we're talking softly and sweeten you know, honey in our ears. But that's not what it's about. That's not what it is. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. But, again, when we when we think that the, the simple gospel message is not enough, then we're really saying God didn't tell us the truth about that. Here's Kent's take on it. Uh, he says the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation, quoting Romans 1, verse 16, to advocate a direct influence of the Holy Spirit upon mm. the heart or mind of the alien sinner to influence that person to become a Christian denies the power of the gospel and implies that God is a liar. Also, to advocate a direct influence on the mind and or heart of a Christian is Calvinism running in reverse and also falsely implies that God is a liar. God has never influenced any individual separate and apart from his divine truth. So, that's oh, so, so Kent took a whole separate tack on that than I did. That's but interesting. Knows, he's saying you couldn't, basically, you're going to have to have the direct influence of the Holy Spirit on your heart. You will not be able to come just by reading and studying and listening to, to the gospel being preached. You would never, You would never get it. The Holy Spirit's going to have to act directly on you to enlighten you, to bring you, to draw you. Uh, to do something to your heart so you can... To make your heart receptive to the gospel, that sort of thing. But the Romans one sixteen said it's the power of the gospel. So I, I appreciate that, Ken. I think you're exactly right. That 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 is another way that people call on God a liar. But, but by saying the gospel can't get enough. the job done. It isn't enough. We need yeah. some kind of direct yeah. action here. Yeah. Uh, most people apparently think God lied about the power of the gospel, uh, Angela says. Bringing in entertainment or having community get-togethers does not bring people to Christ. It brings people to the food, fun, and free stuff. John six twenty-five through 36, Jesus dealt with people who just wanted to be fed, and when Jesus called them out on it, they asked for a sign as to his authority when he had just fed them with a miracle. First uh, Corinthians 1, verses 18 through 21, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Um, and Romans 1, 16, uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 18, the gospel itself is the power of God. Of God. Uh, our gospel itself is power and the power of God. If we must use gimmicks to bring people to God, it is the gimmicks themselves that bring the people. Once the gimmicks are gone, the people often leave because the gospel is foolishness to them once again. So Angela says, you know, it, it is 
it's gimmickry that people are resorting to, and it really does implicate that God and say, God, you weren't telling the truth because this gospel is not working anymore. It yeah. might have worked in the first century. It doesn't work today. We've got to have some type of carnal attraction mm-hmm. to get people to be even even give the gospel a, a, a shot. I think you're right. All right. Thank you, Andrew right. and uh, Kent, for those comments. Um, let's grab our last break, Jacob. And then when we come back, I've got two things that go together talking about what, how lies that are told about what a person must do to be saved. And uh, uh, Colin got a liar when he said when it says you can fall from grace. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll, we'll look at those when we come back, right. and we'll Don't, go to the top yeah, of the we'll hour. We have to go fast, and we'll take your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brett Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The share of U.S. adults who say they believe in God, while still remarkably high by comparison with other advanced industrial countries, has declined to 89%. The share of Americans who say they are absolutely certain God exists has dropped even more to 63%. A growing share of Americans are religiously unaffiliated, including some who self-identify as atheists or agnostics, as well as many who describe their religion as, quote, nothing in particular, unquote. Altogether, the religiously unaffiliated now count for 23% of the adult population of the United States. That information is via the Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in Matthew 22, verse 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program. Going to the top of the hour, we're going to go fast. A lot of people are calling God a liar. Maybe we have in the past, or maybe we currently find ourselves in a position of opposition to what God has said, and we're living in a way that says, uh, God, you're not telling the truth on this. Now to the subject of salvation. Now, again, remember our premise is that if you take a position different from what the Word of God says, then you are effectively saying, I don't believe God. Wait a minute, if I don't believe God, then that is tantamount to calling him a liar and that's, I want to tell you, that's really dangerous ground to be on. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pull up a quote here, uh, and I don't know if, uh, if I'm going to be able to do it. But anyway, there are, there are some lies being told about what we must do in order to be saved. For instance, when we've talked about this so often on the virtual Bible study, the necessity of baptism. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? And a lot of people just take the plain position, no, it's absolutely not necessary to be baptized. You can be saved. You are saved before and without being baptized. Uh, but in Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
First Peter 3, verse 21, even uh, whereunto baptism does also now save us. Baptism saves us. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The scriptures are very clear on that. Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 38, 1 Peter 3, verse 21. Yet many in the religious world today say that baptism is not necessary. Uh, but oh, there you go. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not going to work. Hold on, that's not going to okay, well, I was trying to get a quote there. There we go. Okay. It's not going to work. All right. Oh, boy. Um, I was hearing voices there. Um, so, um, but the scriptures are very clear. Kip put it this way. He says, many preachers call God a liar about the plan of salvation. One must believe the gospel, John 1, verse 12. Repent of sins, Acts 17.30. Confess Christ, Romans 10.9 and 10. And be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. Being thus added to the Lord's church, Acts 2.47, 1 Corinthians 12.13. When one rejects the message and perverts the plan, they reject the God who gave it and the Christ who purchased such with his own blood. Thank you for that, Kent. So Kent mentioned things that, that the Bible tells us we must do in order to be saved. You've got to, you've got to hear and believe the message. Uh, Kyle, it's very clear. Um, Jesus said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. I've got to repent. I can't keep living the way that I lived before. I've got to confess, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Um, and the Bible also says I've got to be baptized in order to be saved. Those things are very clear. Anyway, which we don't... We talk about baptism a lot because people want to make baptism controversial. They want to take it out of the step of one of the steps of salvation. So, but uh, one, you can't repent without uh, being well confessing. You have to, you can't be baptized without repenting and confessing. You can't believe. You can't just go for and be baptized without believing and without hearing the word. So, all of these steps, while we call it the plan of salvation, are necessary in God's plan for salvation. I think it's plainly taught in the scriptures, though. Yeah, and Angela says preachers today talk about how one does not have to be baptized to receive salvation, but the Bible says that you receive the forgiveness of sins when you're baptized, Acts 2, verse 38. If we have sin, we cannot enter heaven, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, Revelation 21, verse 8. We are sanctified and justified when we are baptized. She references 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. We can only walk in newness of life when we have been baptized into Christ, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. And we can only be in Christ if we have been baptized into him. The statement made in Romans 6, verse 5 can be uh, uh, can be turned around to say if we have not been united with him in a death like his, we will surely will not be united in a resurrection like his. And this death is speaking of baptism. So thank you for those comments, Andrew. Okay, I want to. I'm, I'm going to try this again. Are you going to try it? You got it. Uh, I'm going to try this Here again. Here we go. This is a quote uh, from Frank Webb, a preacher at the First Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. When we interviewed him on the virtual Bible study uh, a while back, and let's see if I get this to play. Play it. Would you agree that a person can be saved and never be baptized? Well, yes. I guess, I guess that's, that's, the, that's the whole quote right there. Well, I guess that. I guess but that let, let me play that again. Let me, that, Do you agree that a person can be saved and never be baptized? Well, yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I think that's as straightforward as we can get it. But Jesus said, "He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned." So now, if you think about that, that that is calling God a liar, right? Wouldn't wouldn't that be calling God a liar to say, "I don't think you have to be baptized." Yeah, it's very clear. All right, now, now quickly, let's take the the, the follow up to that. There are those. Oh, did, did we? We got them. All. We got them. Okay. Uh, uh, what about those who claim that one can't fall from grace? In other words, once saved, always saved. What about that? Let me. I I, I dug out some quotes along this line. 
<clears throat> so some people say, a lot of people, I, I, would you say a majority of people today? I think a lot of people believe once saved, always once saved. Once you're saved, it doesn't matter how you live. Once you've asked Christ into your heart, live any way that you want. You can do anything that you want, and you will not be lost eternally. For instance, the Westminster Confession says, They whom God hath accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. They can't fall from the state of grace, he says. Edward Hitchcock in the, in the Manual for Southern Baptist Churches said, We believe the scriptures teach that such as are truly regenerate, being born of the Spirit, will not utterly fall away and perish, but will endure to the end. Uh, uh, and then we've read this one often before. Sam Morris, who was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Stamford, Texas, quoted as saying, quote, We take the position that a Christian's sins do not damn his soul. The way a Christian lives, what he says, his character, his conduct, or his attitude toward other people have nothing whatsoever to do with the salvation of his soul. All the prayers a man may pray, all the Bibles he may read, all the churches he may belong to, all the services he may attend, all the sermons he may practice, all the debts he may pay, all the ordinances he may observe, all the laws he may keep, all the benevolent acts he may perform will not make his soul one whit safer, and all the sins he may commit from idolatry to murder will not make his soul in any more danger the way a man lives has nothing whatsoever to do with the salvation of his soul. Sam Morris puts it pretty bluntly there. You, it doesn't matter how you live, worship idols, murder. Once you become a Christian, you can't fall away. There's nothing you can do to be lost. Yeah, exactly right. Well. Uh, now, the Bible says, and we, uh, by the way, there, there are plenty of archive versions uh, on the Virtual Bible Study page. Where we've talked about, first of all, what must, what was one do to be saved and about the necessity of baptism. And then this idea of once saved, always saved. We've got whole programs where we've dealt with that. But let me just offer one verse here. Galatians 5 verse 4. Christ has become of none effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. Now, in the context of that in Galatians 5, Paul was dealing with these Judaizing teachers who were trying to go back and pull elements out of the law of Moses and say, Especially the Jews were saying that Gentiles had to keep certain aspects of the law of Moses, particularly including the the right of circumcision. So that's what the context is about there in Galatians 5. We understand that. And that's not people trying to bind circumcision today is not a conflict that we engage. That's, that's, that died out a long time ago. But in addressing that controversy in that time, Paul said, you can fall from grace. If you try to be justified by that law of Moses, you are fallen from grace. So he was writing to Christians. He said, you can fall from grace. And the way we've explained that so often, and I think it's so practical, you can't fall from something that you're not in. You'd have to be in grace to fall from grace. It's like being in a boat. You can't fall out of a boat unless you were first in the boat. Can't fall from a tree unless you got up in the tree. Yeah, and so if you can fall from grace, that means you could be in grace and then you could fall out of grace, which is obviously contrary to that notion we were just reading about once saved, always saved. Men are calling God a liar. They're saying you cannot fall from grace. Did you notice those quotes? I mean, they were very emphatic. Uh those whom God hath accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by the Holy Spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall from the state of grace, Westminster Confession said. 
That's exactly opposite of what the Bible says. So who's telling the truth there? If they're telling the truth, then God lied about that. That's right. You, here's, here's another one. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20 beginning. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. So they had escaped. They were uh, in a right relationship with God. Now they're entangled again and overcome by the pollutions of the world. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning, for it would have been better for them that not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, if you're going to go to heaven, even though you may be committing these sins, then how is it worse than you, for you than, uh, than it was in the beginning? How would it be wor- better for you not to have known the Holy Commandment. Yeah, I mean, you just read that description. They escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, that sounds like somebody who's saved. And then they get entangled therein and overcome, and the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. The reason why it's worse, by the way, is because now they've already rejected the gospel, which we said they earlier is the power, the, the power of God's salvation, as we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah. But those kind of passages clearly teach that these people who say you can't fall from grace, that you're once saved, always saved, they're calling God a liar because God says you can, and they say you can't. Kent says the scriptures teach that one can so sin as to be eternally lost, Second Peter 2, verses 20 through 22. To deny the scripture on, scriptures on this point is to call God a liar. And then Angela uh, says those who claim that one can't fall from grace are saying God lied about that too. There are many statements made that point out that one can fall from grace. Here's some that she references. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Hebrews 3, verse 12. Galatians 5, verse 4, 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Why would God be sure to include so many warnings about it if it was not a danger? Thank you, Angela. For Very this good. Thanks for all your comments tonight, Angela. Very good. Uh, so we've kind of covered the ones that were on my list, and I asked people to send in some other suggestions of how you think you see that may, God may... Men may be calling God a liar. And I I got this suggestion from Dwight in Iowa. He says, those who don't believe in heaven are calling God a liar because Revelation 21 verse 4 says God will wipe away all tears. Those who don't believe in hell are denying what Matthew 10 verse 28 says, where it says God will destroy both soul and body in hell. So I think those that's a pretty good couple of observations because... The the last one is the greater majority of people. There are a lot of people who say, "Ah, I don't think there is a real, literal, eternal burning hell. And so there are a lot of people to deny the reality of hell. Again, a subject that we've talked about at length on the virtual Bible study, and and you can check it out in archives. But if you deny that there's a a real burning hell, then you're saying God lied about that. He, He said there was, and there really isn't, and so God must be a liar. And then the, the much smaller fraction of people, some people say they don't think there's a heaven. They basically don't think there's any life beyond the grave. God said there is, and so whose side are you going to be on? Angela says, talks about, she's got a couple more here. Retaliation. I once heard a man say that he believed the Bible and that it, he was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth sort of man. When confronted how that was given under the Old Testament and how now we're under the New Testament, and that we should leave vengeance up to God, Revelation, Romans 12, verse 19, Matthew 5, 38 and 39. He shook his head and wouldn't even consider what was said. Uh, okay. Many Christians today st- uh, struggle with this concept, wanting to carry out their own vengeance and not considering that God 
what God has said about how we ought to handle it. If it goes against what I want, and I won't accept what the Bible says, then I'm calling God a liar. Yeah. Modesty. She says many Christians try so hard to push the envelope with how skimpy they can dress to look like the world, or some may even have double standards for everyday dress as opposed to when going swimming. Uh, uh, that is, they might be modest in public and would never wear just their underwear in public, but when they're they're okay with it, when we're just wearing trunks, a bathing suit, or a bikini while openly swimming with others. God has pointed out many times that nakedness is shameful. Galatians, Genesis 3, 7, Exodus 28, 42, Ezra 16, 39, uh, 23, 29, Revelation 3, verse 18, and that we ought to dress with modesty and self-control in a way that professes godliness, 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10, and that the hidden person of the heart should be more noticeable than our clothes, 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Romans 12, verse 2, we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We are trying to discern the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Thank you uh, for those comments tonight, Angela. So people are maybe denying that God has standards for how we ought to be dressed. Yeah, when, you know, uh, and, and the way you hear that stated sometimes is, I don't believe you can draw a line about modesty. It's just all subjective up to your, it's, uh, it's just up to your feelings, how you feel about it. But God drew some lines, and the scriptures specify those. Kent says uh, people call God a liar when individuals have a broader concept of religious fellowship than authorized by the New Testament. They call God a liar, First John 1, 3 through 7. Yeah. Uh, when individuals deny the need for New Testament authority for all our actions, they call God a liar, Galatia, uh, Colossians 3, verse 17, 2 John, verse 9. When individuals attempt to change the pattern of New Testament worship or change the organization and or work of how God has designed the church, individuals call God a liar. Very good, Kent. All right. Thank you, Kent. Excellent comments tonight. Um, and uh, we are, ooh, we're over time. Yeah, we're out of time. But a, a very interesting angle there tonight, Dad. I mean, and, and, and certainly we don't want to be guilty of of being in opposition to what God said very clearly in his scriptures. Exactly right. Kyle, final thought from you. It's, uh, it was a good study. I think it's just we got to be mindful. Obviously, we I, it's a frequent comment. It seems like we need to make sure we're mindful of the Bible says and apply what the Bible says to our life, not our own think-sos. Exactly right. So, yeah. And we want to be on God's side. We want to align with his will for us, certainly. And if not, we're, we're uh, certainly in a bad position there. That's right. Dad, thank you for your time. Tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you, Kyle, for being here. It was good. Thank you for listening. Hope you've benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.